are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Wednesday. That means it is a Winky Wednesday. Nick Winkler will be joining me in just one second. I do want to remind everybody before we get going here to subscribe, rate, review the show, tell a friend. Uh, you hit me up on Twitter at Peacock. You can email the show, LockedOn49ers at Gmail. We've got an Instagram. We've got some Facebook going on. Uh, but the best place to get involved in these mailbag segments, which we're going to try to hit uh, as hard as we can today, but, uh, you know, Nick, Nick and I are sort of long-winded, and we don't always uh, <laughs> have succinct answers to your questions. But I've got a backlog of of emails and Twitter questions that hopefully we can get to, at least a lot of them. And, uh, yeah, so uh, Twitter and email is the best way to get a hold of us. And with that, let's get to the Winky Wednesday. Nicholas Winkler, come on down. What's happening, man? How are you? Hey, I'm great, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. A little hungry. Skipped lunch yeah, today. Yeah, I can hear your tummy over there. What's going on? <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm hungry. Dude, you got you to feed the beast, man. You know what I ate earlier today before I jammed to work was a... Tacos with ketchup? No. No tacos with ketchup. That's just terrible. That, someone posted that on Twitter and was like, yeah, come on, man. What are you doing with your life when you're putting ketchup on your tacos? <laughs> uh, I had an almond butter sandwich. Just almond butter? Nothing else? I, I had a, some baguettes at home mm-hmm. and... Uh, this jar of almond butter that we don't really use that much. And I was like, uh, and not a lot else in the house. We, we really got to do some shopping here. Um, almond butter's tasty. Yeah, and almond butter's good. And when I was a kid, I used to love uh, peanut butter and honey sandwiches, peanut butter and jelly oh, too. Me too. But uh, so I drizzled a little honey on there, almond butter, some baguette. Okay. Solid, man. Yeah, one of my uh, go-to breakfasts is just some toast, put some peanut butter on there, and then every bite I put a little bit of honey. It's, it's great. It's a great it's combo. It's tough to beat. Yeah, yeah, it is. You get a little sugar rush too. It's nice. <laughs> yeah, but you know, later. I thought the protein was gonna hang out through the day for me, but I'm, I'm just getting starving, man. Nah, your body wasn't used to the almond protein. That was the problem. Right. It's like we peanut butter. Yeah, we we got this. We know how to deal with it. Almond butter, you threw it off, man. Like, dude, I've had cheese in like six hours. What's going on, man? <laughs> Where's the dairy? Feed me, <laughs> feed me, Simo. Uh, uh, OTAs or mini camp, I guess it is now mandatory mini camp, right? That's right. Some Better show up. Some of the best uh, players in the NFC West are not showing up to theirs. Aaron Donald and uh, Earl Thomas. Which I love is, that. Yeah, it's fine for the 49ers. I don't mind that at all. Uh, uh, that's fantastic. Hold what? out for a long time, guys. Get get, get paid <laughs> exactly. or walk. Richard Sherman, no longer the highest paid defensive backs coach in the league. He's now on the field. Sherman was at practice Tuesday Woo. for the first time. Great news for his timetable as he returns from those Achilles surgeries. He had, a, uh, I think, minor surgery on one and a little bit bigger surgery on the other one. And he said he's light years ahead of where he's been the past two seasons. I guess he'd been hobbled for a while with those. And then the tendon finally ruptured in November. And uh, so he had those worked on and he was moved around. Okay. Mm-hmm. They'll take it slow with him. He's a veteran like Sherman, you know, who already knows the system as well as anybody. So they don't need to push him necessarily, but I'm sure, you know, they'll take it slow. So he's healthy and ready to go for the season. Well, that's what you want. I mean, the last thing you need is for anything to happen during OTAs. Or mini camp, sorry. Yeah, exactly. And that's really for anybody. So let the old guys just hang out. I'm, I'm, I'm always down with the veteran day off. Yeah, let, let the young guys that are battling for that final roster spot get out there and give 110%. And we, we know what Richard Sherman can do when he's healthy. And, you know, right. you, you, they, they invested a lot of possible money in him. So, yeah, the, give him time. Yeah, a lot of months to go. 
Yeah. Um, no another guy who was in street clothes or warm-up clothes, I guess it was, is uh, this is per Matt Barrows. Marquise Goodwin was on the sideline. And so Dante Pettis apparently had his best practice of the entire spring, mostly playing in that spot that uh, that Z receiver, the flanker spot that Marquise Goodwin is usually playing. So that's good news. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and with Marquise in street clothes, that's fine. We saw what he could do last year, and we were all impressed, and so were the 49ers. That's why they gave him an extension. Yeah, and it wasn't uh, anything – a minor ding, I think, for Marquise yeah. Goodwin, so nothing to be worried about there. Nah, you, you, we got to love Goodwin. Jimmy Ward out again. Mm-hmm. Not, no nothing, surprise there. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of been the story of his career. Again, I don't think it's major, but, yeah, he's had those – gosh, the nagging injuries and, like, always, you know, the soft something. tissue and, like, the hamstring or the mm-hmm. – I think it was the hamstring that had him out for a long time last year. Um, or was the groin, something like that, you know, and ankles, it's just, man, it, it's tough go for him. But, um, and then Tarvarius Moore got some, got a few reps with the first team. And I guess, uh, Tyvis Powell was the guy who was mostly in there with the first team with Ward out. And I think Sherman's still doing more individual drills, not the full team drills yet. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is really early on here. It's just like, it's, again, it's just getting these young guys some reps, seeing if they can, you know, start to figure out what to do out there in these different schemes. And, yeah, hold the guys out that might have anything at this point. I mean, why risk even the tiniest injury? Oh, you got a little little toe issue? Sit it out. That's all right. Oh, you, you slept on your, your back? Your back's a little weird? Sit it out. Oh, you got a little carpal tunnel from playing too much Fortnite? Sit it out. It's fine. <laughs> You're good, guys. Yeah. Uh, who? There was a pitcher. Who was the pitcher? Was David Price. Was it David Price? Yeah, he was like, no, it's not from Fortnite. <laughs> but no, there, this was a while ago. There was another guy that got hurt, uh, a relief pitcher for the Tigers, I want to say. Uh-huh. Uh, and he had, he was on the DL for a while. Oh, that was like uh, Soraya or something, wasn't it? Hold on, let's see here. Uh, DL, video games, Tigers. I do remember that. What was he doing? It was like Wii Bowling or something? Just yeah. dance on the Connect. <laughs> this is probably... <laughs> Five years ago, I remember. Now that you now you bring it up, I definitely recall that. And so it was. Um, I'm trying to think of what game would have been popular then. Oh, uh, Zumaya, Joel Zumaya, is that? Do you remember that guy? Hard yeah, I remember that guy. He was a reliever. Oh, Guitar Hero. <laughs> oh, it was Guitar Hero. That's totally it. Was it. Joel Zumaya hurt himself playing too much Guitar Hero? He had like uh, tendonitis for, hey, from rocking too hard. Hero, man, I get it. <laughs> That's intense, man. Start That's getting on so expert great. level. Woo. That is amazing. That's even better than I remember. <laughs> that is better. <laughs> so, yeah, come on, uh, kids. The video, you get out and, and move that body. The video games, the repetitive stress is going to put you on the DL. Seriously, you wait till you're my age. You can play video games then. Right. Wait till your when career. Your asleep. Wait till your sporting career is over. Right. <laughs> Mine's been over for a long, long time. <laughs> yeah. Or just know that it's never going to begin, then that's okay. Right. There you go. Yeah. Give it a shot, kids. Come right. on. Exactly. Uh, one more bit of news. Rams are ordered to pay Reggie Bush almost $12.5 million after his uh, accident in St. Louis in 2015, where he uh, slipped and fell on the concrete that was surrounding the field. Yeah, I remember thinking, that can't happen. Yeah, like, that's think- that's these guys are high-paid athletes, and you've just got the— He was on skates as soon as he hit that, too. That's yeah. You can't have that— surrounding your field no way no, that was bad he stayed down too and it's like oh great here we go and apparently i think teams had complained about that before that too oh well there that's why he got paid then and it's like now uh, they're in la so it doesn't matter anymore because right. they, they don't play there but they're still hit with it which is kind of funny they're like they, they send the bill to st louis <laughs> right well I, I think 
the lawsuit was in St. Louis. So uh, they're probably like, all, oh, ah, the Rams bailed anyway. Screw them. Let's award this. <laughs> let's award them this, <laughs> this money. What's the maximum amount we can yeah. uh, give you, Mr. Bush? Right, exactly. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, let's get to the mailbag. Yeah. All right. Let's start with Facebook. This is DJ from San Francisco. Shout out to uh, DJ from the city. I like it. Enjoy listening to your podcast. I work swing shift and I don't get off until 2 a.m. Always look forward to listening to your pod on the commute back home. I love it. Uh, just wanted to suggest a song for your mailbag intro. Oh, yeah. Did, did we play this one yet? I don't think we played this one yet. So this is he uh, he wants Pilo, which is also featuring E-40, because I was talking about how uh, someone uh, said Dr. Dre could be, you know, keep the heads ringing could be a good song to ring in. The, uh, the mailbag segments. We need something local. And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, you got to go local. Can't go with the L.A. vibe. And mm-hmm. at the same time, I don't want to get sued by Dr. Dre. And I or E-40, want, really. Or E-40 or Pilo. So we're, we're not right. going to play much of this. But here, here's his, uh, this is some local Bay Area hip hop. If they ain't got a price to pay. California on my license plate. Last year, they ain't even like the Bay. Damn. Yeah, we really E40's appearance right there. Uh, when I heard that, I was like, okay, that's got to at least make an appearance. <laughs> California and your license plate. I like that. So uh, that, that good good option there, DJ. That, that, was, that was a strong one. Good play. Um, let's move on to John. John from Twitter. At no point have we heard from Foster since last year. Are the 49ers keeping him under wraps until things cool down, or yes. do you think we will get some uh, media time for him later this summer? I no, think, I think they've kept the mic out of his face. They're like, no, 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 just don't say anything, man. Right. Let's let this whole thing play out. Yeah, and it's like y- your decision-making is questionable, so <laughs> don't put this guy in front of a mic for right now. Although he's great right. in front of a mic. He's, he's uh, amazing I, yeah. in front of a mic. So I think, you know, let that cool down. Eventually he'll he'll get out there and people he's will be talking so to him. charismatic, man. I think they probably want – people to be talking to him because he did something on the field. And then, right. you know, that's where the line of questioning will go. Although he's yeah. got to probably address it at some point, but it's also, he's going to be talking from a point of almost like the victim himself, right? If he was falsely accused of this thing that could have ended his career. He'll have to, I mean, right. how else is he going to approach it? You yeah. Know? So he doesn't have to apologize necessarily no. for anything. So that's, well, that's I mean, yeah, going to make it a lot easier for, for having the weapon or something. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Even but, then why bring it back up? You know? Yeah, totally. Um, this from TJ, who uh, used to do a podcast called TJ Smith's War Room, and he hasn't been doing any episodes, which is kind of a bummer. TJ, if you're listening, you got to fire up the podcast and get this fantasy football season going here. Yeah, he's a big on, draft man, guy, uh, but he's wondering about uh, Pierre Garcon and his injury, and if he'll be 100 percent before the season. And from best that I can tell, he's he's looking right on track. It was a it was like an eight week injury, and he was injured in week eight, so it was just going to keep him out of the season. But he he, he should have been one hundred percent by now. And as far as I know, he's been a full participant in everything in the off season. Yeah, and that, that's definitely the same stuff I'm hearing. And you know that you definitely want Pierre Garçon at one hundred percent. And you know I hope it's kind of like how they're treating Sherman right now, and Ward, and Goodwin, and all these other guys. Like just we we know what Pierre Garçon can do. Like he doesn't need to be out there right now showing us that he's one hundred percent. We we know that if he is one hundred percent, or if he's at least you know. Good enough to go come game day, come September. You know Garcon's going to be out there. And he didn't get to play with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo last year. So he's got to get those reps with Jimmy. But otherwise, it's like, yeah, let the young guys fight it out. Pierre gets those veteran days off for sure. Yeah, maybe, and maybe he's practicing on those days when the media is not invited. You know, I always wonder how they decide that. If it, if it makes any impact at all about what they're trying to show 
Like the fact Guaranteed that Sherman came back and had his first practice in front of cameras, oh, yeah. you know, that's all calculated. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they know that it's going to get to the other team, you know, the other teams in their division, the teams that are upcoming. And, oh yeah. yeah. It's like all how you the have scouting the, departments. It's like how you have the get the big guys get off the bus first. Yeah. Try to always. intimidate a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You keep your little guys on there till everybody's gone. All right. Come on off now. Uh, let's move on to Keith. Who's talking Pierre Garcon. He said, so if I'm right, Garcon was tracking on 1000 yards. When he went down with only five games with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Keese was like 29 yards or so short of 1,000. This is shorthanded. I'm trying to uh, – uh, Keith was using some shorthand here. I'm trying to edit this on the fly. Deciphering yeah. it. He calls him Keese. I like Keese as a nickname for Mark Keese, by the way. Yeah, Q-U-I-S. When I first saw this, I was like, what is this guy talking about? I was like, oh, Keese. Okay, I get it. Um, quiche? That sounds delicious. I would like some quiche right now for sure. I'm starving. Wait, quit talking about food, please. Um, both could thrive with Jimmy Garoppolo. And Keese was the number one. Now, with less attention, he and Pierre Garcon, Tay, which is Taylor, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. and yeah. Pettis are going to eat. <laughs> so yeah. I, I agree. He's messing with you now. He knows you're hungry. I agree. Uh, Pierre is going to eat. Yeah. Tay, he's going to eat in the slot. Keese is going to eat down the field. They're just going to mm-hmm. eat in different areas of the field, but they're all going to eat. And then Pettis, I, I'm really interested to see how they work him in if everybody's healthy. Yeah. McKinnon's going to eat. Peacock's going to eat later. I'm going to eat probably before any of those guys eat because. I just ate right now. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you have? A little stir fry. It was yummy. Whoa. A little homemade oh, stir fry? I'm a big fan. Wow. Look at you, yeah, man. I try to do it once a week. It's it's good, man. You get the vegetables in there. You break out the wok and everything? Or you oh, yeah. The, wow. It's an old wok, too. I've had it forever. So with the with the wok, the, the mm. technique is you cook the the veggies first, and then you yep. kick them up on the side of the wok, right? That's right. And then you kick the meat down in the middle at the end and cook that to exactly. its perfection. And then you mix and then it all together, turn the heat up. And then you get it all out of there. Dump it down. Yeah, you don't leave it in there, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, you don't want that hanging out. Nah. You don't want to overcook those lefties. <laughs> Hope everybody was taking notes. <laughs> you got that, everybody? Right there. That's okay. if, if you need to pause and go back and rewind that, it's. Right. Uh, I understand. Send me something on, on Twitter. We can talk. <laughs> Uh, let's move on to some emails here. I got a bunch of emails that are that are backed up here in the backlog. I'm going to start with the water chestnuts. Oh, water chestnuts are key. Yeah, right. and it's easy to forget those. Yeah, need that crunch. Yeah, the crunch, man. It's, they don't bring a lot of flavor. They just take on the other flavor, but it's that crunch. It's important. Yeah. You you don't realize it until it's gone. You're like, yeah, I need that crunch. You're right. What about the little fried? Um, you put them on after the little fried noodles. You know? Yeah, those are good. Yeah, I like a good bean sprout, too, in there. Mm-hmm. Bean sprout, very good. Mm-hmm. Got pineapple, too. Ooh, man, get it sweet. Uh, maybe I have to do a little Chinese tonight. I might be able to hit that <laughs> on the way home. I'm going to try to talk food as much as I can. You, <laughs> your stomach literally, you I can hear it. So <laughs> this is fun for me. Uh, this is an email from Jacob. Longtime listener, first-time participator. Thank you very much, Jacob. Hello, Jacob. If you had to bet, which one do you think will end with more yards? Matt Breida's rushing yards or Jarek McKinnon's Passing yards. Sorry, I drew a little bit when I think of Shannon and getting these guys the ball. Uh, I think Jarek McKinnon's not going to have very many passing yards, but I think he means receiving yards, right, for Jarek yeah, McKinnon. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, let me. Uh, so looking back at last year, Carlos McKinnon Hyde. was a quarterback, though, right? McKinnon was a college quarterback. Maybe that's that's true. what he's getting at. But Sam Breed is not going to play at all. There was that, there was that game um, that I watched like a, a little bit of, and – when uh, they brought in Jarek McKinnon and they talked about uh, Georgia Southern, there was this big game where Georgia Southern beat Florida, mm-hmm. and it was like this big upset. 
and I went back and because Jarek McKinnon was listed as a quarterback, but he's basically an option running quarterback. Yeah. And he threw three passes. He was zero for three. Oh, so wow. was, <laughs> yeah. So they, but that's they, always open. The other team's got to you know be ready for that. They basically just ran the ball every single time. Yeah. And on that, that was McKinnon's last year, and I think Burita was a freshman that year and only returned some kicks. He wasn't super involved in that in that game as so a runner. teammates, but not really on the field. Yeah. Uh, ah. Carlos Hyde last year, 59 receptions, which is a lot, man, and but only 350 yards out of those 59 receptions. How many drops did he have, too? I felt like he, I was coming on here every week talking yeah. about how many drops Carlos that's, Hyde had. See, that's the thing. So whatever Carlos Hyde did last year, I expected more, like much more from Jarek McKinnon. Both, I would, I'm guessing if I had to honestly pick a number, I would say 70 receptions for McKinnon this year. Yeah, and that's only 11 more than Carlos Hyde. So absolutely, yeah. like at least one per game. So yeah. 16 more, like 80. He could have 80 catches. 80. Easy, easy. And well over 500 yards on those 80 catches. And I would say it's going to be receiving yards because I don't even know Breida's going to get that number two spot, man. I'm still, you know, not counting Williams out. Well, even if Breida has the role that was pretty limited last year as maybe a number two guy, he started out even as a number three, I think, last year, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Or was he number he two did. from the first week? Um, but he ended the season with 465 rushing yards. So he beat Carlos Hyde by uh, 115 yards. Carlos Hyde, 350 receiving Matt Breida, 465. I envision Matt Breida having a pretty similar role, so he might be around that you know, 400, 500-yard mm-hmm. mark at the end of the year unless uh, Jarek McKinnon gets hurt. But I expect Jarek McKinnon to well surpass Carlos Hyde, both receptions, yards, yards per catch. He, he can yeah. do so much more after the catch, I think, than Carlos Hyde did. So for that reason, it's going to be close, but I think he could surpass 500 yards receiving. Yeah, Absolutely. that's a great question. That is a good question. It could be close. Um, also, you know, health is obviously a big factor there. And I heard some people trying to say, oh, man, are we going to have a 1,000, 1,000 player, like Roger Craig style? And it's like, well, that's only happened twice ever. So right. uh, what Roger Craig and Marshall Falk, I believe, the only two players ever have 1,000 yards rushing, 1,000 yards receiving. So, And I feel like if McKinnon's getting that many passes, yeah, they're going to need to give him a break and hand the ball off to Breida or Williams or, or, or check. Let's not forget about that guy. Yep. Yep, use check. The juice, he's going to be involved as well. Uh, let's move on to – oh, wait. So did we have – so I think we both chose McKinnon, right? Yeah. Yeah. But okay. I, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's going to be pretty close. Yeah, it could be close. This is an email from Manjot. Hey, Brian, discovered the podcast a year ago. Been hooked on it ever since. Keep up the good work. Repping the Niners all the way from New Zealand. I love New Zealand. I went there on my honeymoon. Nice. Yeah, fantastic place. I want to go back. It's so damn far away. Love All people. I think about is fly to the Concords. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, I love the people listening on the other side of the world, too. Yeah, of course. The question is, what's your tolerance level with Armstead and Ward? Personally, I'm over both of them and don't see a scenario where they are here next year, but the team seems adamant on trying to make it work. Is trading them in season for compensation on the table? Um, I mean, I think trades are always on the table. I don't know what you would get. I think a team, I think the 49ers would... You know, I could see a situation where the 49ers have numbers. They have a lot of big defensive linemen, and so they have room to spare spare a guy. Mm-hmm. And so then it would become, okay, is a team willing to take? Because he's already got his uh, option picked up for next year. Right. So does the team want to spend that option money on Armstead? Would they be willing to give up a pick and take on that option if the 49ers are willing to let him go? So I think Armstead, not likely. Ward, I think there's going to be the opposite situation where there's a number crunch at cornerback, just the depth, you know, the veteran depth at cornerback and, you know, who's the backup free safety if Ward's gone. So I think for that reason, they probably will not try to move on 
from Ward. But I get, you know, frustration with these guys who are always hurt, but it's not really their fault either. I mean, that's the, you said it right there at the end, man. It all comes down to health. You know, if these guys can stay out on the field, they're both solid players. You know, it's just keeping them on the field has been so tough the last couple of years that for me, my, my tolerance level is running. It's real thin, man. I'm just, I, I just get so hyped up, you know, about both guys. I love Ward. I think he's a great player. It's just, he can't stay on the field. And with Armstead, he can never reach his potential because he can't stay on the field. So I'd love to see 16 out of both guys. That's for sure. But yeah, my challenge level for both is if we can get something for him. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's do it. I can sense that when I mentioned his uh, injury early in the podcast, yeah. you're like, of I was course. like, ah, oh, come on. But Again. I, I agree, man. I want to see both guys play. I like both players. I think they're yeah. both talented. Yeah. They could both make an impact. And I think the reason you don't trade either guy is probably because they're still worth more to the 49ers if they are healthy than they would be in what you would get back in trade. Yeah, you're right. Their their value couldn't get a whole lot lower right now. Let's move on to Jason. He said, hi, Brian, was wondering, with the addition of Sue and the presence of Donald and the reinforced secondary, how do you see Kyle responding to that scheme-wise? It seems as though the lack of interest in a true number one receiver and the addition of quicker, smaller receivers from the draft – maybe telling of the way Kyle is addressing the new elephant in the division. Also, do you think a 3-4 like the Rams or a 4-3 like the Seahawks is more of a challenge for Shani's scheme? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, he's talking about, obviously, the Rams bringing on a whole bunch more talent, and they already won the division last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the second part of that, 3-4 like the Rams or 4-3 like the Seahawks, I think the reason Kyle Shanahan said he hired Robert Sala was because that scheme is so hard to play against. And so, yeah. uh, so I would say that because that's the reason why they hired that and wanted to run that scheme. Um, although Wade Phillips is an amazing coach and he runs a great three, four scheme. The one thing I'd worry about with the Rams or from the Rams perspective, what they could worry about is they lost, uh, Robert, their, their best pass rusher, right? Uh, Robert Quinn, they lost Robert Quinn and he was their best pass rusher, although he'd been hurt a lot recently. And they've got a lot of that girth inside. They've got good pass rush inside with Aaron Donald and, and Dominican Sue, and they've got great outside corners. Uh, so uh, to me, the way you attack that is you avoid the inside and you avoid the edges in the, with the pass. But that's what, like you mentioned, that's what the 49ers are built to do right now. Outside zone runs yeah. and throw the ball over the middle of the field with, you know, ex- exploit the linebackers, exploit the safeties, and don't worry about the corners as much. I mean, that seems pretty uh, obvious. Attack the middle of the field behind those defensive uh, tackles. And when you're running the ball, you run to the edge of the defense, right? Well, that and, you know, Donald hasn't reported to camp yet. So, you know, there's always that hope, too, that he doesn't even show up there. It'd be nice if he doesn't show up at all. Although, didn't he hold out last year and he was Defensive yeah. Player of the Year? Remember, you know, maybe he's going to, you know, he's still doing that knife thing that he does. <laughs> where he's practicing with knives. I mean, you know, yeah. I don't want anything to happen to the guy. He just but, you shows know. up with nubs and he's like, hey, I'm here, guys. <laughs> hey, guys, this is why I've been holding out. <laughs> like, Aaron, why are you holding your hands behind your back all day? Oh, <laughs> I just want my contract. Yeah. How are you going to sign it? Just sign the contract. What was that last offer again? I'll take it. Yeah, right. We'll go back to that real quick. <laughs> but yeah, uh, use those quicks. Use the use yeah, the attack the slot. Attack those crossers. Attack uh, with the tight end in the seam, and then the outside zone runs. Yeah. Yep. I think that's what Kyle's going to do, and I don't think Kyle is nest. I mean, it's pretty reactive. One team does, you know, one has one big off season. You're not going to change your entire uh, your entire scheme and your entire way yeah. of doing things just for those two games, you know, but you're going to obviously scheme for that team when you do play him for those two weeks. Well, and Kyle just seems like the kind of guy, too, that, like, if everybody knows that's what he's going to do, he's going to do something else. 
True. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I just, yeah, I, I try not, you know, I love, I love what I love about him, man. As he thinks on his feet, he's very adaptable. And yeah, I just, uh, man, we're so lucky, right? He knows how to, what we've been going through. Yeah. He knows how to get guys open and yeah. uh, he's got the quarterback now that can throw those darts. It's great. Let's go to, we have some time here. Yeah, we got a couple minutes. Let's do it. Uh, let's go to Joe via email. Everyone always talks about the second year of Shanahan teams as the most productive, a la Matt Ryan Falcons. Uh, because of the time it takes to fully comprehend the playbook and create continuity. Are we calling this year the actual first year because this is Jimmy G's first install and the playbook he used the first five games in FCF was largely influenced by New England's offense? Or are we calling this the second year and should expect the according productivity based on the offensive stats from the first and second years in Atlanta from the type of production we were looking at? Um, Let's look at it what it is. It's one and a half years. It's I, you know, I, he hasn't even been there a full year yet. And the other he side of things, the, as Jimmy Garoppolo gets better, there's also going to be more tape on him. And so other yeah. teams can scheme against the 49ers. So there's going to be both. So they're going to have to, you know, um, adjust to that. And so when it comes to year three, year four, they're going to have years of tape on Jimmy G. But I think it's a good point where it's semi, it's kind of still first year because he didn't have the, the whole eight. playbook. Month eight of Jimmy Garoppolo being a 49er. Right. It'll be the sixth game in the first, the, the next week one will be the first game he's had a full off season. So it is kind of like, like the first year still, I think. So I don't think what you saw. So def- if defensive coordinators are looking at the tape from last year on Jimmy Garoppolo, it's going to look a whole lot different. It's going to look a whole lot different this year. Yeah. So you could look at it as this is kind of year one um, or one a, and then maybe they can take a, another big step the next year as well in 2019 and, and they could, but then the uh, teams are going to be scheming against them too. So that'll be interesting and it'll be fun. Um, and uh, I, I just don't, I, I kind of get a little bit worried comparing those as if they're apples to apples with looking at the Falcons, right. uh, Kyle Shanahan team with, with Matt Ryan. Uh, this is a different team, different personnel. He's a different quarterback and <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, let's not forget he had Julio Jones. And that helps. That definitely right. helps. Yeah. And, and two stud running backs. But then people would argue that, he made those running backs. Yeah. And good. I like that argument because, yeah. you know, <laughs> McKinnon and Brita, right? Or McKinnon yeah. and, and Williams. All right. One more. Or all three. Right. Exactly. Okay. This is an easy question. There's one obvious answer, but we, we might have some fun with this. Uh, email from Jeff. He says, I love the podcast. Listen to several. And this is one of my favorite by far. So thank you. And please keep up the good work. I appreciate that, Jeff. If you could, only, if you could add any previous 49er all time to our current roster, who would you choose and why? Patrick Willis. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. You know me, man. I'm a Willis guy. It's my one jersey. I'm surprised by that. Really? You're going to bypass the GOAT, Jerry Rice? Probably, yeah. You're insane. You're an insane person. Am I? <laughs> I don't know, man. With this offense, you get Patrick Willis out there to lock down that defense? Yeah, the, I, the, the GOAT, I'm not even going to say the GOAT because it's too easy. You, you would, If anybody who doesn't take Jerry Rice on this current team is Frank Gore, person. maybe? Or you could go. Here's what you do: is you go double quarterback, like I did in our all-time draft. <laughs> right? How about Ronnie Lott, man? We need that. <laughs> Ronnie Lott would the, be awesome. Yeah. Lock down the back of that uh, defense. You know what I was thinking about today? Oh, how about this? A big-bodied wide receiver, Dwight Clark, in his prime. What about Terrell Owens in his prime? Or To? Yeah. It's a lot of. Man, we want a big-bodied wide receiver. When you go back into 49ers history, there's a, there's a deep well to choose from with, with mm. talent. Um, do you remember a guy named Russ Francis? Mm-mm. He was, in, he was the tight end on some of those teams in the late 80s, early 90s. Right. Um, and I didn't know who tight, who Russ Francis was 
as a young 49ers fan, I just knew 49ers were great, and I knew Joe Montana and Jerry Rice and Ronnie Lott. Um, But then one day watching, like, WrestleMania or uh, one of those big WWF events, Russ Francis was like, 49ers player Russ Francis. And I was like, what? So it always stuck with me. So I'll never forget, Russ Francis was their rep at this, uh, like, Royal Rumble or something in the WWF. And uh, I I wonder if they tried – I think he – he did all right. He didn't win. No, from what I remember. Yeah, but it was funny. It was like, they're like, all right, uh, can we get Ronnie Lott? Like, oh, no, he doesn't want to do it. Oh, can we no. get, uh, you know, I wonder how, how they settled <laughs> how on Russ Francis. Not that Russ Francis wasn't a good player, but uh, that, that was. Was he? Yeah, I, I learned who he was because of a different sport. Everyone, do your homework. Go look up his stats right now. Russ Francis, yeah. Watch okay, here film. we go. Over, under, Russ Francis' best. I'm not looking at it yet, but I'm going to look it up yeah. right now. Over, under. 50 receptions, Russ Francis's best season. Under. Under. I bet it's around 30. And I know absolutely nothing about Russ Francis. Ooh, 44. Oh, you're close. His high. Oh, God. He's older than I thought. So he was yeah. around for, he was with the Patriots for a while. He was on the Niners in the mid-80s. His last year was uh, 87. Mm-hmm. So in 85... Wow. 85, he had 44 receptions. 86, he had 41 receptions. Okay. Yeah. Russ Francis, WWF career for at least one event. No, you're Niners. <laughs> That's the new segment we're starting. That's a good one. No, you're Niners. I like that. Hey, we get into the uh, the, the slow part of the offseason here. Um, yeah, no, you're Niners. That'd be a very good segment. Guy, guys, you don't know. You should. Here we go. From parts unknown. Weighing 295 pounds, the terrorist. What? <laughs> the terrorists. I've never seen these wow. guys. Wow. From parts unknown, at 270 pounds, the mercenary. Oh, of course. Oh, it's the terrorist and the mercenary. They're both from parts unknown. They both have masks on. Next is from parts unknown, the Ronin. Here we go. This is my guy right here. Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Oh, yeah. And Snooka's tag teammate? I'll give you one guess. Tight end of the world champion, San Francisco 49ers, at 265 pounds, Russ <laughs> The biggest cheer he ever got in his life right there. Uh, amazing. You ever watch Glow? The TV show? Yeah. Yes. Solid, man. It's this, it reminds me of that, you know, like yeah. the whole Russian thing. It's great. That was some definitely some 80s business right there. I, the, yeah, that was a lot of fun. The Jimmy Snook. See, Jimmy Snook is like my all-time favorite wrestler, too. Yeah. <laughs> the terrorist. The terrorist and the mercenary. I don't think the terrorist and the mercenary did very good in that match. I didn't watch it. No, I wouldn't think so. Yeah. God, imagine if you had to be the heel. Like, that was your, your career. Yeah. They're, they, they're like, they had bad bodies, too, and they just had, like, yeah. tank yeah. tops and masks on. The jobbers, the jobbers, they call them, right? It's smart to wear the mask, though, because then nobody's going to hate on you when they see you after the thing. You could do two matches, one as this masked thing. Yeah. And then another match as like your real character. As a hero or something. That's a crazy, that's a crazy thing, man. The the pro wrestling, it's so weird. It really is. When I was a kid, I ate it up, but I was like, I think about it now. I'm like, that was some weird ass crap, man. Yeah, no doubt, man. But yeah, as a kid, it was the coolest thing ever. Absolutely. All right, let's get out of here. We, we've oh, man, we've gone was... off as soon as we go off on this weird uh, path. The, this it's like all right. We we I think we gotta to wrap it up. We could have done that earlier. We're talking about we could have food and stuff. Yeah, and we, plus, we always go off on these weird paths. And I'm not lying. I just I need to go eat. Yeah, I just want to bring up food one more time. <laughs> Thank you for that. And thanks for coming on the show again, Nick. 
Yeah, my pleasure, buddy. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be back tomorrow with Mr. Dylan Simone right here on Locked On 49ers. Uh, I hope that's the sound that he made. <laughs> if the hang got a price to pay, California on my license plate. Last year, they ain't even like the bay. Damn. Yeah, we really going down. Uh. <laughs> 